You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hey guys, Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. Well, today, Big Ten Media Days has come to a close, and I love this time of year because, for me, this is the unofficial start of the football season. Tyler, do you feel the same way? Oh, I'm pumped for the season. It's a, it's a great time hearing all the coaches talk. I, I consider the beginning of fall ball to be my unofficial start of the season, but uh, jacked all the, all the less. Oh, yeah. Uh, Derek, what do you think? Absolutely. I, how can you not be excited about media days right now? Like, this is the unofficial start to college football. And we got Scott Frost. We got everything going Nebraska's way. And I understand that my expectations are probably way through the roof of what they should be. But yeah. it doesn't matter. I'm happy. I, I'm ready to watch any college football. I don't care who's playing. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the uh, Big Ten Media Days here in a little bit. But first, we need to talk about the new commitments and roster updates we've had this week. Tyler, tell us about those. Well, I think the biggest one uh, coming out a couple days ago was Nick Henrich uh, out of Omaha Burke, the new number one commit in this cycle so far. Um, The kid is the number nine inside linebacker, 220th overall prospect. I mean, he is a great addition to this coaching staff. Cool. Who else do we have? Um, yeah, another great kid we got um, just uh, a couple days ago, uh, Messiah Newsom out of Iowa, stealing a kid from the backyard of Iowa. Um, he is a weak side defensive end. Um, he's a pretty cool kid. And a kid we talked about last week uh, with John on, Tony Fair. Uh, John predicted Nebraska. He did end up going big red. Uh, he is a Juco uh, defensive tackle, number seventh in the country. So we've got three new commits since the last time we were on the air. Derek, what do you think about these commits? I think they're huge. You know, we, we talked last week a little bit about our concerns, and we, we kind of tapered the word concerns for this recruiting class. But one of the things I brought up was if, if we finish 42nd in the nation with a recruiting class, that was going to be a big deal, and I thought that was going to be huge. And just from last week to this week, we've gone from 42nd to 24th in the nation just with these few pickups that we've gotten. So, look, we've gotten some really good recruits, and I think it takes away at least most of my concerns. Well, it's it's you know we've we've seen this all over the internet. What's really impressive, what the staff is doing right now, is they're landing these guys in a so-called dead period, and none of these guys have used a, an official visit yet, and that is impressive. Uh, Tyler, who else did we pick up? Well, we also got a grad transfer, and um, if you watched a lot of UCF football, you may remember this guy, uh, Trey Neal. Uh, he was their starting safety last year. Uh, he had 68 tackles and three interceptions. And the play that, if you watch UCF like most Husker fans did, uh, starting at the end of the year, he had the big interception against Memphis. Um, this kid's coming on board. He's got a great attitude already. Uh, his quote, you know, he said, "Is I hope I could be a small part of the rebuilding process of this program. Um, I'm ready to get to work. Uh, and I just love that. So. 
well, that well, don't, UCF don't for, Memphis game. Don't don't forget ahead, he also had like a twenty five yard fumble recovery in the game against Auburn. Like this kid's, I think he's good. I, I think this is a great get. I, and I know the coaches didn't go after him hard just because they didn't want kids from UCF leaving there to, to try and come to Nebraska. But uh, I, I think this is a good get, and I think this is a position that Nebraska's needing. Like, the secondary is our biggest concern, right? Yeah. That uh, Memphis-UCF game, that was uh, on at lunch today <laughs> on, I think, ESPNU or something. But So, I, of course, I watched it. Well, Derek, you mentioned the depth. I think the depth at safety is a special, uh, especially weak. And I think when you look at, you know, where, who's going to play and who does, I think a lot of people might be getting tied up to will he actually be a starter? And I don't know if it really matters. I think that he is going to be valuable depth, whether he's number one or number two on the depth chart. I think he's going to play. He's going to be a factor on the field um, in a position that we definitely need to get a little bit deeper at. I, I will say this, and this is gonna, we're going to get into the media days. I understand this, but I know Scott Frost had made a comment that a lot of the reason that he wanted to transfer from UCF is because he felt there was a couple safeties that would probably be ahead of him at UCF. So that makes me wonder: does that has Scott Frost? Pro, I mean, not necessarily promised him a starting position, or but does he expecting a starting position coming to Nebraska? I think it more of. Uh... He he may be prepared to not start and wants to play for a little bit better of a program if he's not going to play much at UCF. That's maybe more my take on it, but I think he's definitely going to see the field in the red. Well, he's not going to play for a national title at UCF. Nebraska's his only hope. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck to him in one year. So yeah, hey, uh, let's talk about Big Ten media days here, Derek. What stood out to you? You know, one of the biggest things that stuck out to me, and I think the media is making probably too big of a deal out of this, is uh, Scott Frost made a comment that he would like to have a starter named by a week before the Akron game for quarterback. And I, look, if if the media would finish his quote, he says, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing this because I don't know his exact words, but... More or less, he says, I would like to have a quarterback named a week before the Akron game, but we're not going to make a decision until we know the guy is the guy for sure. So it could still be two or three days before the, before the game. It could still be game day. We don't know. I think he was just giving an answer to shut everybody up on what the timeline was for the quarterback. And I think the media is just running with it just like they're supposed to, I guess. Well, I think what's interesting is we just had a Twitter poll question about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, giving an over under on how many days before uh, uh, how many days before the game would Scott Frost announce it, and everybody uh, seemed to think it would be under six and a half days. And right now, if Scott Frost is to be believed, it's going to be over. But I agree with you, Tyler or Derek. You know, I. He's probably just trying to just, you know, let everybody know. It's like, yeah, we'll, we'll tell you when we figure it out. We'll give you a week in advance, and everything will be fine. But go ahead. I, I will say this. I think Frost probably is telling the truth in the fact that he really would like to know who his starting quarterback is at least a week before the game. However, I don't think he's going to 
just make a random decision a week before the game just because it's a week before the game either. No. Tyler, jump in. Well, Derek, that last point um, was going to be my main one. I, I I do truly believe that's what Frost wants is that know who his starter is going to be. Um, I I still, even if he knows who his starter is going to be, I'm still not convinced he's going to announce it that early. Um, the players may know, but he, he may keep it under his vest. I, I mean, we'll wait and see on that, but um, I, I'm still not convinced, even if he's made a decision that that's going to be something he's going to go public with the very second he makes that decision. I think it will be tough for him to keep it to his vest if he announces it to the player, though. Because if he announces it to the player, I assume the whole team knows, and it seems hard to, It seems hard for me to imagine that that will stay under wraps. Well, look at how the spring has unfolded. You know, there'd be kind of like slight rumors of players leaving, and you don't hear anything about it. It's just like... You know, you hear the like one little rumor whether a person is leaving and you don't find out for a month or two later that they have left the team. So I think that it is certainly possible that they can keep something under wraps for, say, a week or a few days. That doesn't shock me at all. Well, and and Frost has already made a very big deal about social media. Um, I don't see these guys going to Twitter the second a decision has been made. I think they're going to keep it under wraps if Frost wants it that way. I hope you're right, and I hope that Frost does get under the kid's skin. That you know, hey, you can't go put social media everything that happens because, well, we're old and we don't like social media very much. So I, I get where Frost is coming from. You know, he's going to be asked that question after every single practice. Anytime that the media is there at practice, he's going to be uh, asked. And you know, if the media, if the sports writers, if they themselves have access to fall practice, which we don't know what that case will be. I mean, they're going to know it, it's, it'll, it could get leaked out. If, if Jebby is getting, you know, 60% of the snaps and, you know, if he's getting a majority, you're, it'll, it'll come out. Oh, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. T- Tyler, what stu- stood out to you from media days today? Well, I, I think the biggest thing to me uh, was there was an update on Trey Bryant. Um, and, and, you know, he, he had uh, expressed how Trey Bryant jumped off the screen immediately when he saw the tape. And he said he's progressing very well. We're excited to get him back. Um, we're going to have to be cautious with him, make sure we're not overloading him because he's a special player. And I, I, this is really the first official update we've heard from the coaching staff on Trey Bryant. And I think this guy is a key component to what success we could have next year. I think if he could play even at a 75% capacity, uh, that that is much needed depth and a skill set that we really need. I'm excited to see Trey Bryant potentially back in the lineup. Um, I think he has potential to compete for the starter position, but um, any health of Trey Bryant is really good luck for this next year. Derek? You know me. I, the guy's got knees of an 80-year-old man. I, I've i never been overly excited about Trey Bryant. I don't want to crap on the guy either. I mean, I hope he's healthy, and I hope for his life that he is great health-wise. But if you're if you're limiting this guy to five or six runs a, a game, I, I don't see how much he really helps you. Uh I guess if I guess if he can get healthy enough to where he can get you a good 10, 10 runs a, a game, so be it. I, I I think 
he's being a little overhyped myself, but that's just me. Tyler, what what scares me a little bit about that quote is he says uh, he's progressing really well, and we're excited about the possibility if he is back. That if is what gives me pause in that. What I mean is that do you think that's unintended, or is he kind of like saying, "Hey, we don't know if he's going to be back or not, but if if he comes back, we're excited." That's what gives me pause about that whole comment there. Yeah, but if you listen to the quote, the way he said it, the way I heard it was a more of an optimistic. Uh, I I say optimistic, and there wasn't a whole lot of uh, enthusiasm in any of his real quotes, but um, as optimistic of a sounding quote than I thought he'd hear. Um, I the if doesn't. I, I I don't really put too much into that if. Okay. Um- Maybe just me, Derek. I just kind of want to add a little something to to the Trey Bryant thing, and, and just talk about the whole injury update overall. You know, he he came out and said there was basically no information to give out because nobody's hurt, and most of the guys that were question marks in spring appear to be able to come in and play right away, or play in the fall. So is is this a a praise to the strength and conditioning? staff or is this uh frost hiding more i mean usually by now it seems like we got two or three guys hurt during the summer i don't don't know why but it seems like every year we have two or three guys that get hurt in the summer well don't jinx us derek i mean fall camp is gonna start next week i mean uh, but no you're you're right you're right past summer so i mean and usually it's it's summertime that we end up losing a guy or two or three yeah i yeah i think uh the strength and conditioning staff, they're do, just doing an amazing job right now. And you've seen that, you know, you've seen all the weight that these players are putting on, you know, especially the linemen. Uh, they're putting on some big weight. They're getting stronger. You're seeing how much they're squatting. You know, you're, you see a lot of weight room uh, clips out on social media. I don't recall seeing a lot of that stuff under Riley, but they're really making the strength and conditioning really a focus and just getting it out there that they're back. So, yeah, I, they're doing a, an amazing job. Tyler? Well, I, I actually think it's that latter. I think Frost is, if there is anyone banged up right now, I think he's just not really disclosing it. Um, I, again, I just see him playing this close to the vest. I mean, I, I do think if someone was seriously out for a while, he probably would go there. But, yeah, I don't I don't think that miraculously everyone made it through this whole summer and no one got banged up even a little bit. I, I just I'm not that optimistic. Tyler, you're starting to uh, you're, you're really pissing in people's Cheerios if you allude to the fact that he's Bill Belichicking this entire Big Ten Media Days thing. Don't yeah, I mean, no, don't take Justin's job. He likes to piss in Cheerios. Don't be that guy. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of pissing in Cheerios, uh, I think it's my turn. Uh, one of the things that he said that kind of caught me off guard, and I don't not he it didn't catch me off guard, but I thought it was really interesting. One of the quotes is, "We'll see how this first year goes, but people better get us now because we're going to keep getting better." Is Scott Frost alluding to the fact that we might have a down year by that statement, Tyler? Well, I think he's managing expectations. Um, He he knows what this roster is. He knows where this team is. He knows he's implementing a new system. Um, I I think he is optimistic that they're going to be competitive, but he's also 
he knows where this team's at. Derek? God, God I hate to agree with Tyler because that don't happen very often, but you're right. I mean, he all he's doing right now is is tapering expectations, uh, which is better than what he did before when he came out and said, you better be scared of us. I mean. But that was year two, though. That's year yeah, two. You're and right, he's, you're right. Uh, saying, basically saying the same thing. Get it, us now because next year you won't get us. And I'm I'm sure to a lot of uh, non-Husker fans, this will become off as cocky and maybe even arrogant. However, I I love the confidence. I, I love the confidence of Scott Frost. And if you, if you listen to any of his players, or or at least the three players that were at Media Days, one of the first things everybody brings up is his confidence and his in his uh, competitiveness. And I think this is I think that's huge for Nebraska. I think that's something that we haven't had for a while. I, like even with Pelini, I think it was more us against the world. Yeah. And, and then you got and then you got Mike Riley, who is happy go lucky. Whatever happens, happens. And now, and now you're getting, rainbows. And, and now you're getting a competitive nature back into the program. And I think I, I think that right there is why I feel Frost will turn this program around. And I think he'll do it quicker than people imagine. Tyler. I mean, I agree. I think he's definitely the guy that turned it around. I mean, I see him being a guy that's going to win us multiple national championships. Um, I, I, but I do think this year is going to be a rough year. I, I, I'm not, I'm not looking at this season. I'm not telling my friends out here in Colorado that Nebraska is going to be a 10 win team this year. Uh, no. All right, Derek, what else stood out to you from big 10 media days? So Scott Frost uh, was asked about the uh, redshirt freshman new rule that we we discussed a little while back. And matter of fact, we asked Jackson Hanna last week about it. And uh, Scott Frost came out and said he wants all of his freshmen to play. Maybe not necessarily in four games, but he would like to get all of his freshmen to play. I, I find this a little hard to believe unless you're either really getting your ass kicked or unless you're really doing a lot of ass kicking that you're going to be able to get these guys in. Because if it's a competitive game, I'm not throwing a freshman in just to throw them in. Uh, so I, I find this a little hard to believe that he's going to be able to do that. But I like to see him take advantage of the rule. Like, like that's what it's there for, I guess. Tyler? Yeah, I, I mean, well, Derek, we agreed last one. We're going to agree with this one. I, I don't know if it's going to be possible, but, you know, Frost's whole M.O. this since he's come to Nebraska is getting players reps, whether that be practice, whether it be game time. He wants to get players reps. It's yet to be seen if he can do his vision, but you know he has a vision for what he wants to achieve and how it's going to look. And and a big part of that is in practice and in games, he is going to get people out there playing. So uh, I'm excited to see how he plans on implementing this. Um, yeah, I mean, but Derek, you agree that it seems like the only two real scenarios would be up big or down big. I think what he's trying to do is just motivate these incoming freshmen and these newcomers. He's trying to motivate them to keep on trying, keep on giving it your 100%. Because we're going to find a place for you to play out on the field. We're going to get you out there, whether you know it could be special teams or whatever. I think it's a motivation factor, and he may not succeed. You know, maybe the season isn't going to pan out to the way that we want it, where some of uh, some of these freshmen can hit it. But he's basically telling the freshmen, "Get ready to play." Derek, I I also think he's trying to 
speak to the older crowd like us and, and, and explain that, you know, when Osborne was there in the third and fourth quarter, if we were up big, he played these young guys if he had a chance. And then you got into the uh, Solich era where I know one of my biggest complaints was he he just didn't play the young guys. It seemed like he always played guys to boost up their stats. And then since then, we just really haven't had a lot of seasons where we could play a lot of young guys, I guess. And so, so to me, it, it, he's just kind of trying to speak to the to the older crowd while also speaking to the young guys going, look, we're going to have games where we're going to be able to play these guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all of that is true. Uh, one last comment here on Big Ten Media Days. There's a lot to get into, but I just want to bring this one up. Uh, it kind of seems like there's been a reoccurring theme with the staff, uh, this new staff, how they've made a lot of digs at the previous staff, Mike Riley and crew. And uh, there is one that Scott Frost had said that I thought was, uh, it, it entertained me for lack of a better word. He said, I have some optimism because they had an awful culture. They weren't strong. They weren't in shape. The schemes were bad last year, and they still went into the fourth quarter tied with Wisconsin. They should have won two or three more games. Uh, I I liked it. It's there's so much truth to that, and it really sounds like he's bitter. What happened underneath the previous staffs, uh, Derek? Well, well, not only that, but he also talked about the squats and how we haven't done squats right in the last couple couple years. I mean, there were a lot of little jabs, I think, that were taken. I mean, that was a big jab. That was more of an uppercut that he took right there. But there were a lot of little jabs that he took out throughout, I think, the entire media days. He he did not like Mike Riley's staff, apparently. Like, that's all I can come out with. Like, we've talked about this several times over our podcast, how many times they've taken jabs at the old staff. And it's just becoming more and more apparent that they just – did not appreciate the last half. Did, did he take a dig about the, did he mention the squats again during media days? We, we just talked about this like earlier in a podcast. I don't know. I'm talking about the squats in specifically. Yeah. I didn't hear him he, say he, he made a comment okay. that we weren't doing squats, at least not to what he expects us to do. Okay. And, and yeah. So there was, there were several comments made about the lifting and how out of shape these guys were when they got here. And, I mean, there were just a, there were a lot of little jabs at the, that Scott Frost took at the last staff throughout this media days. All right, let's get Tyler in here because Tyler loves when Scott Frost takes jabs at Mike Riley. Yeah, it, it's my favorite thing to remember the Mike Riley era. I, I mean, I actually wish I could have a DVD at home just so I could watch the whole Mike Riley era again, and it seems awesome. Um, if you did but, a highlight, you, know, stand- you could get it over in about 30 seconds. It, it would be a great. It'd, it'd be a great 30 seconds right there. Um, yeah, you know, my stance on this is pretty well documented. I I, I love Scott Frost, guys, and, and you know that, and I think, you know, I, I think he is the saver, but I think this is petty of him. I, I don't love this. I think it's kind of, frankly, disrespectful for the players on the roster to just basically say, just you guys were shit over and over and over and over and over and over again. I, I don't know why he feels the need to do that. Um, it, it, it actually really just bothers me. I just feel like he's making excuses already. He's like, well, the last staff screwed me over so bad. Do you know what I walked into? Like, we know they sucked. We know they sucked. Um, 
it's over. And just I, I just don't know why he insists on bringing him up time and time again. Tyler, you're so wrong. He's not using this to set up an Bullshit. excuse for Bullshit. later. Bullshit, he no, is. He is not trying to make an excuse. Scott Frost will actually own it. He, he will so? own it. Yes, yes. I, I, I will also say this. I think there's a lot of questions that get directed towards him that spar him to bring up the old staff. Like, like people direct the questions at him like, well, how are you going to change things? Well, of course he's going to take a stab at the old staff because they're supposed to be better, right? Like, we didn't just hire this guy just because he's from Nebraska. We hired him because we expect him to be better. So he's got to explain why he's better than a previous staff, right? And, and, you know, and he mentions other staffs other than Riley also. He did. He 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 mentioned Pelini, and he mentioned he even mentioned Solich and Callahan. I think at one point in the in his forty uh, five minute uh, interview after after his uh, fifteen minute uh, his press conference. There. Yes. Yes. There you go. Sorry. I just. I guess my whole thing is I can't imagine getting a job and walking in there after someone got fired and for four months just say. God, you know what? Everything's bad. Everything is just shit because of this guy. And and I just feel like that's what he's doing. It's just – and he just does it I, over I guess, and over. I guess where I'm coming from on this is if you're – don't place all the blame on him for taking these stabs and, and the rest of the staff at that. Blame some of it on the media who's asking him the stupid questions that probably don't need to be asked. Or you could just blame the guy that ruined the damn program. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Amen. what he's doing. Amen. <laughs> yeah, the program was in such great shape when Mike Riley took over. <laughs> they, they won that's... nine games when he took over. All right. That's another conversation. Uh, let's move on to our Twitter polls. We put on three Twitter polls this week uh, for this segment. Uh, we wanted to break down the schedule into three different quadrants, I guess, or into thirds. The toughest, easiest, and flip uh, 50-50 games. So, uh, our first Twitter poll was, which of the toughest games on the schedule are the Huskers most likely to pull off the upset? Yeah, at Michigan, at Wisconsin, at Ohio State, and Michigan State. Tyler, how did you answer this? and What do you think? So, so I went with Michigan State. Um, you know, I could talk about Michigan State, um, how they had issues running the ball last year, how they lost a co-defensive coordinator. But the reality is I think Michigan State's going to be a really damn good team next year. I think the only reason why they're the easiest game for us to get, because it's in Lincoln. And, and Mike Riley beat a top 10 Michigan State team. I certainly think Scott Frost has a shot to do the same. Derek, how did you answer? Well, first off, I want I want to say that for – the first time ever, I think I agree with Tyler for a second time, but I didn't vote the same. And I, I get where Tyler is coming from. And I, I think you could probably make an argument for all four teams to an extent, probably not Ohio State maybe, but to an extent you can make an argument. Uh, I went with Michigan. I'm not sold on Michigan. I In the previous years, I've always been sold on Michigan. Like I, I, th- I thought Jim Harbaugh was a better coach than what I think he is at this point. Uh, he does have a lot returning, and his defense is going to be stout. But at the same time, I, his offense is just not where everybody thought it would be, especially being the quarterback guru that he's supposed to be. And he has yet to come up with a multi-year starter because he keeps getting all these transfers, and I don't know that Shea Patterson is going to be this 
answer to all his questions. And I, I just I think there's too much, and it's, it's earlier in the season. I think we have a. It, I think we have a better shot at beating Michigan than probably any of the rest of them, I guess, when it comes down to it. Are you suggesting that Shea Patterson is the Michigan version of Tanner Lee? No, I'm just explaining that he's probably overhyped like Tanner Lee. He's probably still yeah. better than Tanner Lee, but he's still overhyped. <laughs> hey, I went with Michigan also. And, you know, basically it was the process of elimination for me. Uh, at Wisconsin, we just we don't play well going to Wisconsin. Uh, Ohio State, we're not going to go on the road and upset them this year. Michigan State, I think Michigan State is going to be a really good team out of the uh, out of the East this year. So it came down to Michigan. Uh, process of elimination. If there's going to be a team that we upset, that would be the team. And I just really love how that whole game sets up. You know, you're going to hear a lot about the 1997 uh, year, you know, the, the national title years. I, I think there's going to be so much motivation going into that game, especially for Scott Frost and the, and the players at Nebraska. They're just going to eat that up and they're really going to want to win that one as, you know, kind of like to help settle the debate. So I think there's going to be a lot more, Riding on on for Nebraska going there, Tyler. I, I will give you guys this. I think where that game sets on our schedule, you know, we we have a good shot to be undefeated going into that game. Um, hopefully, our offense can keep a couple tricks in the bag um, going to that game and and maybe catch them off guard a little bit with the speed and how we play. Um, I'm with you guys. I I don't love Michigan. I think Michigan is probably the weakest of those four teams. But it's on the road at Ann Arbor. That is a tough place to play. Uh, and, and playing at Memorial Stadium, I, I don't care who it is. If it was Ohio State, Wisconsin, I think that's the game we have the best shot to win. Go ahead, Derek. Most generally, I, I would agree with you on that. However, the thing is, so what if Nebraska is undefeated at 3-0 and and Michigan plays Notre Dame the first week of the year? Who's to say they're going to be undefeated? I, I, I don't know if they're going to be undefeated. I, so, I know so, I think we will. And so if they're but, not undefeated, I mean, how, how how hard are they going to be playing if their season's already ruined first week of the year? I I well I think they'll be playing hard. I mean I don't think losing to Notre Dame is going to ruin their season by no means. It's all about the conference for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, yeah, but he hasn't done well in the conference to begin with. I mean, he's already lost to Ohio State three times. He's got a terrible <laughs> record against Michigan State, and his record against Penn State ain't the greatest. I mean, well, uh, let's get to the results of the poll. Uh, Michigan State won the poll uh, th- at 35%. Michigan came in second at 26%. Wisconsin, uh, well, I'm sorry, Ohio State was third at 20%, and Wisconsin was 19%. That kind of shocks me that. Uh, that people, more people thought we could upset Ohio State over Wisconsin. Actually, I I just didn't think anybody would pick Ohio State, even even with the buy. We're coming off a buy, but so are they. Yeah, that, so. that that was my whole thing. Like, if we were coming off a buy and they were coming off a hard game, I could have maybe picked them. And, and, and I honestly think that Ohio State has five defenders coming back starters. 
So I, I think they could possibly be for a down. It could be in for a down year. And so maybe this is a type of year where maybe Nebraska could beat them, but both coming off a bye and it's at Ohio State. I just I don't see it happening. They got they got too much star power there, even if they don't have a lot of experience. Okay, our next Twitter poll: Which of the easiest games on the schedule scares you the most? Akron, Colorado, Troy, or Illinois? Derek, how did you answer this one? I this probably isn't going to be the most popular answer. I don't know how this was answered. Uh, Colorado was my answer. I they're a Power Five team still. I, I think there there was two Power Five teams in that in the, in our Twitter poll. I don't think Illinois is going to be good at all. Uh, Colorado, I, th- I I think they will be at least a decent team. Uh, it's it's a previous rivalry that I think was tough. They don't have much returning, I, but I can't pick Akron or Troy. I think I think Troy was way overranked just because they bought just because they beat an average nine and four LSU team. Uh, they, they, I don't know. I, I, I just I couldn't pick. Troy lost to South Alabama, who was four and eight last year, so I couldn't pick Troy. And I think the only two answers really were Troy or Colorado. So I don't Colorado. be pick, don't be picking on four and eight teams, Derek. <laughs> Tyler, how did you answer it? Yeah, I was the same with Derek. I I, I think I went with Colorado. Um, to me, Akron's the easiest game on the schedule. Um, I I really. That's the one game I would like. Okay, there's not even contention. The other three, I, I really could have picked any of those three. Um, I just think if you look at the talent on the rosters, uh, Colorado has the edge. Um, so if I was potential upset, um, it would be Colorado. And don't forget, a couple of years ago, Colorado had a kind of a magical season. They're not that far removed from that. I, I, I don't see it, but they came off a of radar uh, out of nowhere two years ago. If, if I had to be scared of one, that would be the one. I, I actually took Troy, and one of the reasons I took Troy is, you know, what they did last year, actually the last two years, has really been impressive. They're, they're getting a lot done there. Uh, they got a really good coach. But where this game lies on the schedule, you know, I, I hate to think that maybe we could be caught off guard with Michigan coming up the following week because I think all eyes are going to be on that game. So I, that kind of scares me just where this game lies on the schedule. Uh, you know, we could get caught napping there, but. Uh, well, also remember, Troy's only got five returning guys on defense, too, on, on that great team that they had last year. So I, I think that's another, another reason to think that I'm, I'm not buying into the Troy hype. Okay. Well. We will see. Uh, This is how the poll panned out. Troy won the poll uh, at 32%. Colorado was right there at 30%. Uh, Akron actually got 23%, which really surprised me. And Illinois got 15%, which I thought was probably high. But uh, All right. Our final poll of the week, which of our 50-50 coin toss games scares you the most? Purdue? Northwestern, Minnesota, or Iowa? Tyler. Uh, I, I went with Northwestern here. 
Um, you know, Northwestern won the final eight games of the last season, um, you know, seven in conference. Uh, in those games, they outscored their opponents 33 to 15. Uh, they're having a little momentum going into this year. And I know, um, you know, they lost their star running back, Justin Jackson. But, you know, Jeremy Larkin ran for over 500 yards. Uh, you know, they, they've got some talent that we've been had by Northwestern in the past. It's on the road. Uh, I, I, I do think that that is probably the of the coin flip games, the one that I just I think is less least likely for us to grab. Dirk, that might be the dumbest thing I heard all day. You realize Northwestern has never beat Nebraska while we were in Evanston like that's never happened. And I look, we don't know if Clayton Thorson's even going to be playing at this point in the game. We have no clue where he is at health wise. You lose Justin Jackson, that's a huge get. And we don't even know if Clayton Thorson, a healthy Clayton Thorson, is going to play well without Justin Jackson. Uh, I, I just I don't see Northwestern doing I, – I, I, Northwestern scares me way less than Iowa. Like, they've won four of our last five games. They have probably the most underrated quarterback in the league, at least in the, in, in the Big Ten. And yep. Nate Stanley, Nate Stanley, look, he, he completed 56% of his passes, which, I mean, that's not great, but he's got 26 touchdowns to six interceptions. His QBR was 135. I mean, what what do you want? I mean, and we're at Iowa. We have not done well there over the last, well, since we joined the Big Ten, really. We've won one or two there, but it was more like overtime games. or I That game scares me way more than Northwestern by far. So I picked Iowa, but in defense of Tyler, I think Tyler just has it ingrained that he refuses to be intimidated by Iowa. So he'll never say Iowa uh, scares him the most. That's, I mean, that's... Who, who, who would be intimidated by yellow chicken shit? I mean, I mean, I don't <laughs> understand why that would be intimidating to anyone. <laughs> four out of five. That's all I got to say. Like they beat us four out of five. Like, come on. You got to start I, getting intimidated at some point. I, I think that... You can hate them all you want, year, but at some point you've got to be intimidated by four out of five. Well, I will never be intimidated by Iowa. <laughs> uh, I, I want that to be the most clear thing that I've ever said in my life. I, I think at the end of the day, the, the reason why I was I, I going to be a tough place to play, I just think with what Northwestern I think is going to be a slightly better team than Iowa is going to be this year. Um, I, I'm not impressed with what Iowa has. I think both of those games are losable, but at the end of the day, I think Northwestern is going to be a little bit better. I respect the coaching there a little bit better. Um, I do like the talent they had, and they were on a hot streak the end last year, and they they have some talent coming back. I And I think at the end of the year, Frost will not lose that game on the road against Iowa. Well, Sean Eichhorn says that's who we're trying to be. So uh, now <laughs> – According to the poll, 53% of uh, the voters picked Iowa. This is the most lopsided poll that we posted. 35% picked Northwestern. And then you got to get down to 8% for Purdue. And 4% actually said that Minnesota scares them the most. Uh, So obviously some Minnesota fans uh, voted in this because there's no way Minnesota scares anybody. We, Minnesota, I will yeah. say this: Minnesota scares me more than Purdue does. Uh, their their leprechaun coach scares me more. 
the most all punchable right. guy in college football. But but, but the guy with the alien coming out of his neck doesn't scare you at all. Oh. oh. <laughs> All right, we got to move on. Last, the last call. call. Let's get on that. Yeah. On that. Wow. Uh, all right, it's time for last call. No topics are off limits. Uh, Tyler, Jesus. Last call uh, to you. I, my last call is going to go to the golf world. Uh, the Open this weekend was such a uh, uh, great time watching it. I, I am disappointed that Tiger Woods decided to double hole 11 because i was having a great time watching the comeback story of tiger woods um it 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 was one of the best golf tournaments i've seen it is i i didn't necessarily believe completely in the tiger factor and i could not have been more glued to the television dark how how do you not root for tiger i guess like it was disappointing when he fell apart i will say this like how cool is it that uh the guy that won it i'm drawing a blank on his name uh was the first well, Italian our, I, ever to win a major championship. I I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, it was a pretty cool story, I guess. Would have been better if he was an American, you know. America. <laughs> but uh no, I mean it it was you're right, Tyler. It was exciting. Uh one of the things that I do love about the open or the British Open, which I can't stop saying, but uh it starts so early. So your whole day, your whole weekend isn't wasted watching golf. You can get it out by lunch and then you have your whole day. But yeah, Tiger Woods, it was just awesome. It was watching him compete, uh, just play really good golf. And, uh, you know, you had like what? A, you had like a six, six way tie for first place at one point. I mean, God, yeah, completely intense. And all, and all Tiger had to do was not choke on two holes. And he probably has that, that whole damn tournament. That was what's so yeah. disappointing about it. Like, two holes. You went plus three and two holes. Come on. Come on, Tiger. Tiger. <laughs> all right, last call to you, Derek. So Jim Delaney has been a the commissioner for Big Ten for 29 years now. And... He is credited for bringing in Penn State, Nebraska, Maryland, and Rutgers. And you can't come up with the best answer on Nebraska's sellout streak than 240. Like, this is our biggest pride in this damn school at this point, is that we're at 361. I could get it if you had just at least got it close, but come on. You were off by over 100 sellouts. Yeah, he forgot to carry a one. Cut him some slack. Know your conference a little bit better. That's all I got to (laughs) say. Tyler? I I think the biggest pride in Nebraska are the Runzas and Fowl's Pizza, but that's uh, just one man's opinion. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last call to me. Uh, I'm going to bring this back to Iowa. Uh, They're working on bringing back the Black Friday game with Iowa, and it could return as early as 2022. Now, we have the Black Friday game against Iowa this year and next year, and then we end uh, the season against Minnesota in 2020 and 2021. And that just does not make for a good ending to a season. I mean, it's it's hard to get fired up against Minnesota. Uh, one of the reasons we got rid of this is because Mike Riley and Sean Eichhorst, they didn't think that they could coach a game in six days. As it turned out, 
they couldn't coach football anyway. So they just ruined our Black Friday game. Uh, so I- I'm glad it's coming back because Black Friday, that's what I do while the girls are shopping. I get the house to myself and I can watch football in peace. Tyler. Yeah, I love Black Friday coming back. Um, I do wish they would have went after Wisconsin. Um, I, I really would think that'd be a lot more fun to have Wisconsin for Black Friday versus Iowa, but uh, I'm glad it's coming back. Dirt. I, I disagree. I, I think Wisconsin's not even a rivalry at this point. Like they own us. Whatever. We 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 have to start winning some games for that to be a rivalry. Uh, at least Iowa, we could say, hey, we've won some games. They've won some games. It, it's a rivalry at this point. Like we're just getting to that. And, and and Tyler, for you to not think this is a rivalry, as much as you hate Iowa, like, yeah, this should be this should be our last game. I like it. I, I love this, and it should never left from Black Friday. And this was why this is half the reason why Sean Eichhorst was fired. The other half was Northern Illinois. One out of five. One out of five. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Great show, guys. Hey, be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Give us feedback. Maybe you like it. Maybe you hate it. Let us know. And please share. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Make sure you check out HuskerHype.com for all the latest in Husker news. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Thank <laughs> you.